In today's episode, we discuss mental health, dealing with depression, the importance of asking for help, the power of mindset in depression and in life, how to overcome hard times, and more. If you've enjoyed the episode, or if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please hop on and leave us a quick podcast review. And if you haven't yet, please check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now available on Amazon. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the IcePod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the IcePod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable, and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. I'm here with today's guest, Mike Kogan. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. Pleasure to be here. True privilege, actually. I'm really, really happy to be uh, talking to you. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm excited too. I know we were supposed to link up about, uh, I guess, a couple weeks back and something came up. So I'm glad, glad I get to kind of pick your brain a little bit today. Sure. Something always comes up, right? That's life. Yeah, that's that's true. So uh, why don't you start off? Just tell us a little bit about you, your background. Um, you know, any any important info that we might maybe should know about you. Oh man, uh, my background. I feel like I'm the last person that should be in the spotlight, but I think I do have a diverse background. Let's put it this way. I um, I graduated from Drexel. 
I've been living in Philadelphia area since I guess 1990. So that's a long time already. I'm an old man, but I um, went to Drexel, which is my first, uh, let's call it first education. And I graduated with a degree in business and finance in 96, believe it or not. So that's a long time ago again. And, uh, you know, I worked in all kinds of fields where we were basically all business related, which included sales, which included marketing, which included uh, even a lot of finance work, such as stock market and, and all kinds of stuff. And um, you can probably tell, which I still carry a bit of an accent, but I uh, was not born here. I was actually born in Russia. Mm-hmm. Although I've lived the majority of my life here, I'm still proud <coughs> of that accent, probably for the rest of my life. But um, upon graduating, like I said, I've had a lot of business uh, types of jobs. And in early 2000s, I, I switched more into technology and more into marketing slash technology type of field. Where basically I worked in um, early, early adaptation of websites, social media, whatever else was coming around, and uh, primarily was really websites initially, and I was really big into writing content, like writing stuff, you know, written and, and otherwise creation of content, and which which was surprising to me, as I mentioned, I wasn't really I wasn't born here, but for some reason that is it, it kind of came to me really really easily to write uh, content in English, which is no longer an issue today, as we know, because writing content has became an easier thing with AI. But back in the day, you may remember, or maybe you don't remember, but uh, it was it was, uh, it was a big challenge to come up with original, nice, creative uh, content, which I was really good at. So I kind of switched more into that. And I've progressed when it comes to technology and marketing. I've progressed more into uh, Google marketing, online marketing, and, and uh, you know, integration of social media and online marketing into one, um, one type of uh, uh, business. And from there on, and I, I kind of like stayed with technology and it progressed. As technology developed, I, I kind of progressed with it. So over the last few years, we actually started creating apps, started creating websites, technology, and apps all integrated into one and then promoting all that stuff online. I mentioned to you before, but it, it's funny, it, like when you mentioned about my background, all these, throughout all these things, throughout all, the, all these, you know, jobs and education and, and business and finance and where else, I always kind of noticed that I, what I really, truly, truly loved was, was dealing with people. And it's interesting that, you know, some people will say sales is about people. Yeah, absolutely. It's still business, but what I noticed is I always enjoyed the actual process of listening to people, uh, trying to understand what makes people tick. Mm-hmm. And and I caught myself, you know, talking to people about Google or about marketing or technology, but really trying to understand why, uh, trying to analyze why they feel down today, why they feel up today, why what's going on with them truly on a personal level. Maybe that's something, and I kind of felt that maybe that's something I should be doing more of because I truly enjoy. And it's interesting that a lot of people will tell you, if you do what you love, you're not really working. You know, you never work Mm -hmm. a day in your life if you do what you truly enjoy. And I caught myself liking that more and more and more. So funny enough, about six years ago, five, six years ago, I forget one, but I, I went back to school in my advanced years of 45 years old. I went back into 
uh, college and started taking psychology courses, believe it or not. So I said, you know, I almost like started from scratch. And I, um, I um, completed my undergraduate degree in, in uh, psychology with a, with a focus on mental health. It was interesting. And then I, I, I enjoyed it so much. And as part of that degree, I kind of started working uh, part-time basis, more of a, like a volunteering type of function at a mental health uh, counseling practice. And then I started actually working at two different ones at the same time. Um, and I found that I, I, I try to, you know, get more time dedicated to it. And I'm trying to sneak away from my main job, which is again, websites, technology, marketing, whatnot, to do that, to do that for free. And, and I enjoyed every bit of it. And, you know, uh, I, I decided to continue my education and actually am a couple of months away from completing the master's degree also in, in uh, psychology and mental health counseling, which is what I, I, I truly love. Like a lot of times people will ask you, what do you want to do on a daily basis? If you had like a perfect day, if you could wake up and have a perfect day, that would be my perfect day. Just do sessions all day long, talk to people, preferably in person, even though today Zoom is much more. Uh, prevalent, but I love I love this human interaction. I love talking to people. I love kind of uh, reading people and and you know trying to help people at the same time. But that's that's kind of like my and I you know a lot of times people tell you better late than never. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know I'm actually 51 years old right now, and I'm like you know what maybe this is what I should have been doing from my earliest years. But it is what it is. But that's where I kind of find myself today doing what I like more and more and more, still not on a full-time basis, but actually progressing to that point. Sure. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think it's very cool. Uh, you know, late, later in life, right. You, you still made that, uh, yeah. that change up. Right. Cause I think a lot of people have a passion or have something that, you know, speaks to them deeply and they'll put it off and put it off to the point where, I don't know if it's ever too late, right? Like you said, better late than never, but uh, they, they put it off so long that it, it just becomes insurmountable almost to, to try to do that. So I think it's, it's cool that you recognize that and made that switch when you did. Absolutely. And I, again, I wish, and I, I, I cannot remember who said that to me, but someone said to me that um, one of my interviews or someone I was talking to, they said, look, in about 10 years, you're going to look back and say, I wish I did this 10 years ago. And you yeah. have those 10 years right now. And I figured, okay, I'm what, I was 45 or whatever I was at the time. Let me, let me do this. Let me do this one step at a time. And it's also someone said to me, it's interesting, even though I try to talk to people and I try to help them, a lot of times they actually end up helping me. And I pick up a lot of great deal of knowledge from people when they, you know, inadvertently tell me something that sticks with my mind. And they tell me, listen, it, it, not it's not it's not too late. It's about it's all a matter of taking that first step. Like it's about a matter of doing something. Something isn't seems completely improbable, impossible. It's just it's just it's just too much to accomplish. You can't do it. It just cannot be done. Take one smaller step. Break it into smaller steps and take yeah. one step. No matter how how insignificant, no matter how little it seems. How yeah, okay, I did this. Doesn't matter. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. And then from there, you can kind of go on and you can discover where else. And suddenly when you do that first step, your perception may change. And it's interesting how our perception as human beings, we change on a daily basis, something that seemed completely 
improbable or impossible suddenly appears, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe, maybe I could. I don't know. You never know. You never know. It's not a simple thing. Yeah. The, the small steps are like absolutely crucial in, in the process and the, the, the little victories, you kind of, you build your confidence, you know, I, I'm sure going back to school, you know, in your, in your forties, the, the first thing you're like, ah, oh, how am I going to balance working full time and doing this? And then you're like, maybe you have those doubts in your head and then you go in and you knock out your first class. And then, well, I did one class. Maybe I can, maybe I can do two next semester. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. And yeah. you, you build from that. But like you said, if you never take that first step, if you never go out of limb on and just try 10 years go by and you're looking back and you're, you're thinking, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. But Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I think it, it applies. To everything. It's just a matter of sometimes kind of like doing, actually taking action instead of talking about it. And sure. it feels totally different when you do, when you actually do take action and you kind of, um, you feel, you feel like a different person. I think all, all of us kind of like um, the way we kind of look at stuff, uh, you know, visually, mentally is sometimes different than when you actually start doing it. Then you realize that perception, the perception you had of that event or that thing is not exactly what it really is. So it's kind of like um, almost like tricking yourself into doing something. And it's, it's funny. I don't know. You probably watch, I'm sure you watch a lot of motivation or a lot of educational videos online. There's a, a general some famous general whose name I will never remember talking about making your bed in the morning saying, you know, what the hell is the difference? If you'd make your bed in the morning, you don't make your bed in the morning. He was saying that if you do make your bed in the morning, it's like a first accomplishment. You kind of feel like you did something you're supposed to mm -hmm. do. And from there you can set an next goal and it's the next goal. So it's like little insignificant, smaller things, which suddenly amount to a lot of stuff. You look at the old, old times, because I know you look at, like you said, Renaissance, you look at uh, a lot of wisdom over the years. You look at uh, in the old days, uh, old Greece, old older culture, Roman Roman Empire, whatever. They built buildings that are still around, that are still architecturally likely superior to to what we probably are building today. Who knows? But truthfully, you look at that and you kind of see like to, to them it probably seemed impossible to accomplish certain things like that. But it kind of took inspiration, you know, inspiration, and then they kind of went from one step to the next to the next step. Next thing you know, they created absolute masterpieces that are still around, that still amaze us, uh, you know, until today. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me what little little steps can accomplish overall. Yeah, there, there's a saying that it how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? The way the the pride that you put into something as small as keeping your, your environment clean. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen this in mental health, right? Like I have a lot of, uh, I have depression that runs in my family and things like that. And every once in a while I'll have a day where, you know, I'm just feeling kind of blue out of nowhere, but, uh, I've definitely noticed that a lot of times your environment is kind of like a reflection of your, your inner state. If, if you're feeling very stressed or very depressed, you you tend to see a lot, lot a lot more like clutter showing up. Your house looks like a mess, um, and and even just the act of kind of cleansing your home or reorganizing your closet or a little thing like that can can really shift your mood somehow. Just part part of being immersed in the environment, but also just the act of, like you said, just kind of hitting a little victory, doing something that needed to be done. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's about little victories. It's about control. It's about doing something you feel like you're in control of. And that's a lot of times when we talk to uh, people that have depression, we kind of deal with that exactly from that standpoint. We kind of say, listen, what what is it that you do control? What is it that you do feel proud of? What is is actually positive? Take inventory of positive things in your life. Reset. Kind of like, in other words, sit back and say, all right, listen, a lot of things in my life might, might be a total mess. But what is it that what what what's really good right now? What is it that I can really go and touch right now today? Um, can I again, like you said, can I clean up my park? Can I open the window and can I get some sunlight into my room? Whatever it is, smaller things. But suddenly, you're like, well, you know what? And, and a lot of it is actually humor. Funny enough, I I, I like to infuse humor, and and just get because once you start smiling for a different reason, you're not even smiling about your life, but you kind of like <laughs> sit yourself in a different mode. You know, the way you are, the way you like approach everything could change the way the outcome is, you know what I mean? Like the way you, the way things progress from any given point, point, uh, point is exactly your, um, your decision. It's what you choose to focus. You choose to focus on the negative, which is always, there's a lot of it. You know I mean, and that's, uh, you can, if you choose to kind of stick with the negative, there's plenty to choose from, but you can actually isolate some positive things and focus on them, focus on them and build from that. And that's one thing I discovered about, like I mentioned to you, mental health. I discovered that I'm more, I'm more um, of a uh, positive psychology proponent. In other words, I kind of mm-hmm. focus on, I try to identify positive things about a person and then say, you know, why don't you focus on that? And then let's build on that. Let's, let's grow on that. Instead of obviously being realistic, but not just, not just, you know, guess like not, not just giving somebody fake uh, statements or fake hopes or whatever. No, let's, there's always something positive about each person. And uh, and that's what actually helps me deal with a, a lot of guys. Because as I mentioned to you previously, I work a lot with depressed people. I work, I work a lot with uh, PTSD, uh, people that suffer from PTSD, veterans, uh, police, um, firefighters that are retired. And um, I had a bunch of people that have uh, survived 9-11. And I mean, it's, it's just the list goes on and on and on. And But it's, it's funny. It's all the same. It's all about perception. It's all about how they view themselves. How and and they're totally justified in feeling how they're feeling because they they went through total hell, total yeah. pure. <clears throat> and um, but then you know the question becomes: Do you focus on that? Do you stay in that frame of mind, or can you change mm. your perspective, your perception, and can you move on? Can you move on to better things? Because you have so much to offer to others. You know what I mean? And, and that's to me that's always been the point of of kind of like encouraging people on a realistic basis and giving them something positive to focus on. And that's why working with veterans have, have proven so, so effective uh, and so interesting. And you mentioned, uh, and, and as I mentioned to you also, is the fighters. Like the reason why I talk to a lot of fighters and athletes in general is that I found there's a lot of similarities, believe it or not, between athletes and, and, and veterans and people that have experienced PTSD because fighters they go to war, so to speak. They go to kind of this, this battle, mm-hmm. and then they come out and they have to adjust back to normal, regular life. And that, that experience to me is so, so uh, unique and so interesting. There's so many aspects of it that people don't really focus on. You know what I mean? Right. And it, it's it's become more more of a focus in the society today as well. Yeah, for for fighters, right? I I can see kind of like the correlation there because you have someone that dedicates 
their entire life towards, you know, a goal or a dream of becoming a world champion or whatever their specific goal is. And then inevitably anything that is age-based or time-based, as we get older, our bodies start to break down. We don't perform as well. And there's inevitably a point where we have to step out of whatever that pursuit was. And I guess it's a very extreme example of kind of what happens when your life has had one purpose for many, many years. And then that purpose has to shift because suddenly you're not able to, to pursue the thing that you pursued before. It, it makes me think a lot, you know, one of the books that I would always recommend if, if I had to pick two books, you know, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a, it's an extreme example, right. Of how you can essentially lose everything and you're kind of faced with a decision, whether conscious or not, that you can either choose to focus on everything that was lost, everything that went wrong, everything from the past that maybe didn't work out the way you wanted it to, or you can choose to focus on the positive aspects, as you mentioned, trying to rebuild, to find some meaning, to create some meaning in your own life and your own journey and, and, and continue on. I think that's you said it exactly. It's one of my favorite books. Funny enough, you mentioned Victor Frankl, mm -hmm. and um, being Jewish, I've, I've researched a lot into into that and and why you know the Holocaust in general. Mm -hmm. Just with, if you think about his words, what he wrote about, it's all about having like when when people have, if people don't have meaning in life, you know the whole the whole purpose becomes questionable, and they don't know what to do with themselves. Some people mm -hmm. feel that void with pleasure. It's interesting because some people just don't focus on the meaning and they just go for whatever, whatever is there, which is how substance abuse came, came to, to be um, so prevalent in society. But I, I think more than that, it's all about finding the meaning in your, in your world. And everyone has it. It's just sometimes it's not so clearly visible. And you, like you said, the extreme example of, of people in the uh, concentration camps like Viktor Frankl, you kind of expose the true bare nature of each person. You see exactly what each person is, and that's that's where you kind of see who is who. And it's very, like you said, it's very, very similar to the veterans. It's very similar to uh, some fighters who kind of go in it. They, they have one single purpose, one single, single meaning. And, and I spoke to veterans, it's funny enough, and I'll introduce you to some very interesting characters because there's a gentleman that I, I work with and speak with all the time who is a former Marine, and he um, he talks a lot about the fact that, you know, for years they kind of make you, groom you to become this killing machine, become completely desensitized, completely mm -hmm. have no emotions other than following orders and doing what you're supposed to be doing uh, for, for a good reason most of the time, obviously, you know, being in the Army and all that. Sure. But when you come back, you come back to to this, you know, you, you sign off and you come back to the real life, so to speak. What do I do? I have no idea what to do. And they, but they try to, it's a matter of them, you know, acquiring the next mission because everything else could be, you could still use the same discipline mm -hmm. to, to get to the next mission. Just a question of identifying what that mission is and sticking to that program and becoming, you know, because a lot of these guys are so great and they're so valuable and so disciplined and so strong mentally that they can share the strength and really help other people, mm -hmm. which is a lot of them end up doing, you know, it's, it's really, I actually admire veterans so much because I, I work, as I mentioned to you before, I work a lot with veterans just to really help them because I, I feel like 
it's almost like we owe them a bit of, of, of yeah. you know, a bit of gratitude, but more than that, we owe them on a daily basis to help them because they've been helping us and they've helped us so much over the years by keeping us safe and, and, and sacrificing themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. A lot of fighters will tell you one, one person I interviewed um, is an older fighter, long retired, Don Fry, who was an early UFC champion, an absolute beast in the, in, in the fighting world. And yeah. it was just incredible. So simply like, the, the, but, the, but the, not just the physical, but the mental, like he would not stop. He fought in the early UFC, then he went to Japan, won a lot of fights there, had a lot of physical problems. And now he's kind of like, um, obviously not in physical shape anywhere near, but he went through a lot of problems of, of, you know, this identity crisis, so to speak. He didn't know who he was anymore. He's like, what do I do now? What, who am I? And his, his words are like, you know, he, he, he went through that. He overcame that and he's doing much better today. But he's like, listen, anytime there's a veteran or anyone else needs help, you simply pick up a phone and call me. Let's talk to that person together. They want to share that that strength and that it's inspiration and that experience over overcoming the identity crisis and help others. Because this, I felt like, what I've discovered is this this uh, desire to help others is like fire. That when you share a fire, mm-hmm. it does not diminish the source. Like it, it starts a new fire, but the, the original fire still keeps going strong the same way it was. So it's the same thing with this. I think you can help a thousand people and still remaining uh, as motivated and as, as positive as you were beforehand. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just so inspiring to me. It's amazing. Yeah. I think, I think Buddha said something along, along those lines of yeah. like, we, it, it's like a, <clears throat> it's like a candle or something like that. When you, somebody has a candle and it's extinguished and you light yours, it's not, it doesn't take your flame away. It just right. kind of multiplies the, the flame. It just continues to spread it. Totally. And, and uh, what happens when you, when you light someone else's fire for a moment, there's actually a synergy and it actually gets stronger. Both of them get stronger. It's right. But yeah. Totally. <clears throat> we're, we're definitely meant, uh, you know, I'm, I, I gravitate towards, I think being a little bit solitary just because through my experiences, I found that, uh, sometimes relationships with like other human beings, even friendships, take a lot of energy from me, but I'm a little bit more of like, you know, an introvert. I think, uh, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I think that also affected it because when you're constantly moving schools, you don't, you have a friend and then you move to a different school and that friend's gone and you know, you're, you're 13. So it's not like you can really just hop in a car and that this is also before, before Facebook or anything. I mean, I think MySpace was just coming out around those years. So, um, was was a little different, but I mean, I definitely, as I'm getting older, uh, I mean, I'm 34 now, so still, still got a lot of years ahead of me, but live, live just enough to kind of realize that, you know, I'm, I'm not just like a spring chicken anymore. And you lose, you lose some of that, like just hopeless romanticism and you get a little bit more realistic, but still have a good worldview. And, uh, I'm realizing as I get older that it's super important that the relationships that we build with people. Right. And, um, it's, I guess when I was younger, I kind of viewed it as relationships were kind of like, what can I get out of them? And sometimes it's not about getting something out. Sometimes it's just about lending a hand to somebody or making a connection and really small things. Like you were saying about, 
you know, getting up and making your bed, like equally just, you know, telling somebody, Hey, like everything. Okay. You know, and, and genuinely asking them, not just how are you? Uh, cause everybody does that. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. But actually asking someone like, Hey man, you know, like, is everything good? Are you all right? That, that can, that can mean the world to somebody because we can go through, I mean, you, you can see a homeless person or uh, a good example, right? Like there was a guy recently in London um, that got stabbed and he, he was like bleeding out and there's a guy filming it on his phone. And, and then there's another guy that was just sitting there drinking his coffee. It was at like a Starbucks. He didn't even move. The guy's like spurting out there on the ground. And, you know, it's like, we're, we become so ingrained in what we're doing and also kind of like we're so busy. We think someone else is going to take care of it. Well, like I'm sure that guy has a friend or I'm sure that guy has, uh, you know, a family member that's going to check on it. But sometimes people don't, they just, maybe they've, they've had a rough life. They've cut off connections. Maybe they've made some mistakes. And honestly, I mean, for, for someone that's going through a, a mental health crisis or going through a hard time, someone genuinely just taking two minutes to say, is everything okay? How are you actually doing? I mean, that, that can be the difference between someone sticking around or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well said, and it's exactly what it is. And obviously that in London, that's an extreme example, you know, someone literally dying, but sometimes, like you said, it could change someone's day entirely. If you just give them a positive smile, a positive word or something, anything, it doesn't matter. And, um, like you mentioned in your example, relationships are difficult, uh, especially in younger, in you know younger age, and you were moving a lot. So a lot of times you develop this defensive, mm-hmm. um, defensive posture of saying, you know, I don't want to even start a relationship because it's not going to last. So why even why even go in there? So you kind of become this this a little bit protective in your in your and that kind of shapes your mental attitude for the rest of your life. So that but that could be adjusted, that could be changed. And as you go through different experiences, it kind of um, it, it evolves into the next stage. That that's not forever. But you're so right. You know, people have become the same word that I used before, desensitized. Like we become, unfortunately, society as, as a whole become has become more more uh, experience based. In other words, whatever happens, it's also like a TV show. Yeah, you know, let's see, oh, the, the next fight or the next that. So become more into looking for experiences rather than connecting with each other and trying to draw strength and, and give strength back to, to, to another person. I think in the older days, when you talk about the wisdom of, of the past, I think a lot of time people were more connected mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. So not necessarily always perfectly, whatever, but I think we were more, even our generation, or even obviously generations before, hundreds of years ago, they were always, they were always more in tune with each other and more connected each other and i think that's part of what's going on today when as you know as you know i work in social media i work and still work in google being online entirely i think changes us as people and i think becomes yeah. more like i said like a game like a movie that where you kind of like you don't look at people as real people and you look at almost like action figures online you're like oh cool look at that guy you know he's he's on the rail tracks and there's a train coming let's see Oh, is it gonna like it's it's unbelievable? You look at it, but you don't think anything is real anymore. You don't think yeah. anything is realistic, and you kind of like become becomes more of a like a fantasy instead of a real life. But it's it's amazing that people are, we're still the same people that we were a thousand years ago, a uh, hundred years ago, 
just have more technology around us, but we're the same human beings with the same emotions, same fears, same positive hopes and everything else. We just, we kind of like have to kind of sometimes have to dig into that and dig a little bit deeper in these days to find it and get it up to the surface and, and focus on that. It's interesting. One of the interviews I had, I don't know if you know this person, George St. Pierre was a oh, yeah. champion. Yeah. He, he was like my favorite when I was, uh, I'm a jujitsu guy, so I, I used to I did some MMA many years ago, um, and so you know who that is, yeah, he he was like he was the man when I was when I was training and stuff. So that that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be GSP. And believe it or not, I'm the same way. So I, I trained jujitsu in late 1990s and early 2000s with Hoyce Gracie. Awesome. Who, who came? Who was in Philadelphia twice <clears> a month <throat> and he had a school somebody else. But my hero after that, going after that, obviously, was exactly that, George St. Pierre. Why? Yeah. Because not only is he a great fighter, but he's a great person. Professional, too. Just incredible. Yeah. And so think about me, right? So here I am um, doing my marketing stuff. I work with athletes. I'm doing different things. We have a mutual friend that I, I'm sitting with this guy talking about something completely unrelated. And then somebody walks by. I don't, I don't really pay attention all the time because I focus on who I'm talking to. As a guy sitting with us, there's like six, seven people. We're talking, and then I hear, and then I look, I say, wait a minute, who is that? that is actually George St. Pierre. Turns out he's, we have a mutual friend who I was meeting at the time. He came to talk to him as well in New York. I was, can you imagine? So the same as you, I was, this is my hero. Yeah. Here he's talking, just just really, you know, BSing about nothing, just just so completely social situation. I'm sitting with my mouth open. I'm like, wow, is it? wait a minute, that it is actually George St. Pierre. So I, I, I hooked up with him. I had a couple of interviews that I did for the, for the you know, mental health and, and other purposes. But I found him to be, forget about fighting, but as, as a person, oh, my yeah. God, what, what an amazing human being. First of all, incredibly positive, very much down to earth, but so, um, so positive and so, like, focused on whatever he's, like, nothing, nothing will distract him. Like, he's actually the most determined human being I've ever seen. And that's why, like, when he focuses on something, that's it. Nothing matters. He'll do, he was telling me, like, he, when he practices, when you mentioned jujitsu, you know, when you practice, you, you do different things, repeat them over and over and over and over. He was saying that he will do less repetitive, but he'll focus on that move being perfect. He will not, he will not proceed to the next thing until he gets that move perfectly, even if it takes him six, seven hours. That's why his training partners would go crazy. We're like, you know, we, we got to do other stuff. No, I'm not doing anything else until I get this perfectly. And he mentioned something else that that's, you know, he, he's he's like, um, he like nothing nothing to him. It, it's all about positive outlook. And he's like, you know what? I had injuries. I had defeats. He's as you know, he's the only person that kind of like overcame he beat everyone that defeated him in other words he got defeats in the fighting and he came back and beat that same person to 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 kind of like and, and funny enough it was more to prove to himself to train than to anybody else he said you know i couldn't i couldn't live with myself knowing that i could do this and i i'm, I'm gonna go away not accomplishing that and that was his thing like he was saying look i i it's all about me versus me you know i mean i'm, I'm my biggest opponent and it's, it's amazing to hear that, you know, the most, the most inspiring person you can ever, ever meet. Yes. Yeah, so, something that was so impressive about him too, was like, for example, I mean, he, he was the first person that really stood out to me, you know, and that was like a real mixed martial artist. Like 
up up until that point, there were a lot of guys who had, you know, one or two strengths. You know, you had like Matt Hughes who would just go out and just, you know, take everybody down and pound them. And you had, you had some jujitsu experts and some striking experts, but you know, George St. Pierre came out and he was like, he was doing everything. He was out wrestling, you know, national champ wrestlers. I, I know that, you know, in Canada, he became like a, an Olympic alternate and he never wrestled. He never wrestled in high school. He never wrestled in college. So to, to get to a Olympic level and you've never even, I mean, that that's insane. Uh, and he, you know, he's also a black belt. Yeah. High, super high level. I think maybe when he started fighting, I think maybe he was still a brown belt or I don't know if he had gotten his black belt yet, but um, I know he was uh, training out with like Henzo Gracie and uh, I, I still see him training with uh, Gordon Ryan and stuff now. Like he, he trains out with the Donahue death squad and, you know, and then his striking obviously was just a, a whole nother level. I mean, he's out there knocking people out and just really, really technical fighter all around. So Definitely is a testament to uh, to hard work, right? Because you can't, you, you, not a lot of people like never wrestle for their life and become a Olympic alternate, you know, just, just to get to that kind of a level through, the, it's just a testament to hard work, right? Total hard work. And he's, and, and he, he will tell you himself, but there's another person that you, you may know I spoke with is Mark Coleman, who mm-hmm. was a UFC heavyweight champ. And he's long retired, obviously, had a lot of health problems, but he loves talking about George St. Pierre. I don't know why, because even though he was before him, they say he actually is inspiring to him. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And he said, what, what's in because Mark Coleman actually was an Olympic wrestler. And he said, what, what he saw, and he spoke to George St. Pierre, he said, George realized early on in his career, because he was more of a striker. It was a karate background. It was, you know, like a, uh, totally into into striking. He realized that in order to become a UFC champ or any kind of champion, he has to learn wrestling. He said he totally secluded himself and went to wrestling and jujitsu mindset entirely. He didn't do anything else, and he trained completely. Like in other words, he totally totally shut down everything else. He focused on that. He said until I become an Olympic level level wrestler. My life doesn't exist, and that's that's interesting. We we look at his successes today, and his successes early on. Before that, he was believe it or not broke. He had no money. He would travel, like you said, to New York to train with those guys uh, for jujitsu. Literally, go over the weekend, you know, save enough money doing other odd jobs to travel to New York and and roll with people that are far superior to him, whom he could probably beat in the stand up. But, who, but he, they were much more superior in the wrestling or grappling. He would spend the entire, you know, 48, 72 hours with them learning, 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 and then hop back on the bus or train or whatever and go up to Canada to get back to work. It's incredible to me. But the dedication you're talking about month after month after month and staying positive, always staying positive, always smiling. Like he's always, he'll stop and exactly as you said, that someone, if someone needs help, Someone needs an inspiration. Someone needs whatever. He's like, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. He doesn't have to. He absolutely does not have to. Um, but he will support that person. In fact, you probably see online, he had a lot of bullying problems early in his life. Mm-hmm. So he later on, he met people that, that bullied him. The people that actually abused him as a child. And he was trying to help them. He said, I'll give them money. Like, I'll help them. It doesn't matter. And I think that's interesting that that focus, that that 
mindset, the whole perception of the world is is why people could be could choose to be successful or or not. You know, I mean, it's not just about uh, his physical ability; it's, it's really about his mental ability and, and which shows. And then to this day, it's interesting. He's he's he hasn't changed. Like he's the same guy that was at the top at the you know most successful period of his life. He's the same guy today. And um, you know, but they go through pure pure. Can you imagine what they go through? Some some of these wars, some of these. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> that they endure. It's incredible to us, you know. We, we don't even understand. I think sometimes. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a couple things you touched on there. Like, one is that it, it's so it's so easy to not acknowledge all of the things that someone does behind the scenes to get where they are. Like when we're comparing ourselves to someone else, you know. Imagine you're a, a fighter that's starting out, and you're getting you're getting tapped out by white belts and jujitsu. It, it's really, really easy to feel like it, like you're the center of the universe and you're like, I, I suck. I'm so terrible. Why, why am I doing this? And forget that, you know, even a guy like GSP had the same experience, right? He was a high level, you know, kickboxer karate guy that, you know, walks into a jujitsu school for the first time and, you know, some white belts probably tapping him out. Okay. And, you know, there's, there's two mindsets you can always, go into anything in life, right? Like, you know, if, if you're working a job and you get laid off from your job, one person, you know, in that, that situation, they're like, this is my livelihood. This is everything I worked for. What am I going to do? They get depressed. They start drinking. They, you know, they, they lose their car, they lose their house, you know, like all these things stack up because they're just, they're so focused on the loss or, you know, what happened versus, you know, same person, different situation. They, they lose their job and they, they say, okay, now I need to get back to the drawing board. What do I need to do? And, you know, maybe they, they take that opportunity to go start a business of their own and maybe it's tough for a while and they're, you know, they're just barely paying the bills. Maybe they're running up some debt, but eventually there's that moment that they break through. And then, you know, everybody will only focus on the success of that person. Oh, look, look at how much money he makes that his business and they forget where they don't see, right? Because it happens in private, right? Like our failures kind of happen in private a lot of times versus, you know, everyone just wants to see the success. And that's what it's all about. It's all about the attitude. It's about the way what you focus on, like I said earlier. It's an interesting example. Um, you look at, um, you know, a person, I always use this analogy in my, my sessions, but you look at the person that uh, is skiing, you know, you're going down a slope mm -hmm. in the skis and, and you, um, and there's like a bunch of trees up ahead and you got to get through those trees, right? If, if you, if you just keep going straight, you're going to crash into the tree. So you don't focus on the trees. You focus on the path. So you mm, look at the path, yeah. you focus on the trees, you'll slam into the tree instantly. If you don't see the trees or you kind of look at the path itself, you'll get through. You won't even know what the, the, the trees were. So it's what you choose to focus on. If you choose to focus on the negative stuff, oh my God, it will, it will crush you. You'll never even move. You'll be done because life is so, it's got so much, you know, negative going on. And funny enough, the, the, the media, social media, but the media in general loves to emphasize the negative. They, all you, when you turn on the TV, you kind of mostly hear about the negative stuff. And yeah. this positive doesn't make it into the news. They love drama because that's what people unfortunately focus on and kind of pay attention to. But I think if you focus on the, on the positive, 
which a lot of times I tell people, don't even look at the TV, just try to let's, let's create the pile. Let's isolate specific positive things and create a list of things that you want to focus on. But that's so, that's so true. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the negative stuff, oh my God, it will overwhelm your mind because our mind is like a sponge. We've kind of take that stuff and we process it. We create our own perception of everything where it's sometimes it's totally untrue, totally totally not even close to what reality is. And that's, that's what uh, cognitive behavior, uh, behavioral therapy, CBT is, is we kind of say, listen, let's analyze each of our thoughts, isolate them, break them down and say, how true is, is this realistic? Is this rational? What you're thinking? Is it really based on the reality, mm-hmm. which is so, so helpful to, like I said, the veterans or fighters or anybody that doesn't, that stops, starts to question their own purpose in the world and, and what's going on around them. It's completely, sometimes, most of the time, it's completely irrational and totally untrue. And when they realize that, they suddenly have this this complete switch in in, um, in their attitude. But when you mentioned before that one positive word to somebody, one positive smile, mm-hmm. talk about the veterans, sometimes it's a matter of life and death because they some days they wake up and it's not a constant thing. It's something that changes day to day. One day they wake up, they're cool, whatever, they, you know, just go on. Next day they wake up and like, why am I even, why am I even getting out of bed? I don't, I don't, I don't have anything. I, I'm nobody. Look, I'm, I'm a failure. So it's how you perceive it. And if you go with it and you say, you know what, let's develop this line of thinking. Oh my God, it could take you. In the case of veterans, it could take you to the brink of, of, you know, irreversible loss. It could really destroy you. Some of us, most, most of us that don't have that type of PTSD experience we can get through the day have a bad day like you said and then wake up the next day and go on and have a better day they they are not the same the veterans are so much into action that they act upon what what they feel and that's not that's sometimes it's 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 quite deadly you know what i mean and that's why we kind of try to change their mental mental process i want to mention one other thing that kind of came to me uh, what George St. Pierre said, it's, it's, it's interesting about, um, the discipline, you know, he mentioned one thing about discipline and cause you talk about hard work and we were talking and, and one, one, one interesting aspect of George is that he's so dedicated to a focus, but he said, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Yeah. None of that matters. None of that matters. All you need is discipline. In other words, if you know what you got to do today, you have to like map it up and say today I'm going to, no matter how I feel, if you have a discipline to do something, it totally takes away your feeling of, of positive or negative. It makes no difference. Stick to discipline, have a routine, have a disciplined day. And then when you have a routine, then it, it overcomes everything else. You know what I mean? And that's interesting. kind of stuck to me with the question of developing a routine, developing discipline approach. To your days, which is not easy. It's easier said than done. But you know, I, I think that's a lot of times it's the answer to, to a lot of uh, of questions, especially for these guys, such as veterans and, and former fighters. That's that's so true, and it, <clears throat> it it makes me think. When you say that, it makes me kind of think of when I was like a teenager, right? I I mentioned that I have like a lot of depression in my family. You know, most of, most of the people that I grew up with. Um, you know, in my family, they, they would all, you know, they, they claim depression, right? Depression, you know, we're, we're depressed. It, it, it runs in our family. Right. And, um, 
like for me, like I'll say to a lot of people that I don't really like, I think depression is a state of mind. And when I say that, like, I don't mean it in the sense that there's not chemical imbalance because I, I acknowledge that there, there can be genetic things that happen to you, right? Like it, it can be familial. It can be in your family. It could be a result of, you know, your dopamine levels being messed up. It can be a result of addiction that there's a lot of things that can create depression and it's, it's a real thing, right? It's like, I'm not denying that that depression exists and that it can be quantified and looked at in a laboratory and shown to be a thing. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about how, like what you choose to do with that. It's, you know, do you say, okay, I'm depressed and basically there's nothing I can do and you just lay in bed all day. Or do you say I'm, I'm depressed. I feel absolutely awful today but I'm going to get up. I'm going to make my bed. I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to go through the motions and I'm just going to pray that, you know, tomorrow when I wake up, it's a better day. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's exactly what you just hit on that. You know, you're saying GSP kind of referred to, right. Is that it, re regardless of how you feel today, it, it's just about getting up and going through the motions sometimes just having that discipline to force through anyway. Exactly. I mean, army guys know this very well. Like, hey, you don't feel good today? Great. Get the hell out there and get do what you got to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. <laughs> so, but that same same mental approach could could really get them through to problems today. It's just a matter of saying, you know, what are we going to do? So it's all it's all how you approach it and how you kind of go with it. And um, but you know what you mentioned about depression? There, there, what's a lot of people don't understand? There are levels to it. In other words, there's some sure called mild depression and there's actually chronic and there's some serious levels of depression but what's what's important to know is that each level of depression has to be dealt with on the therapy level and mm -hmm. just some more more serious ones require medication of course but uh the, the ones that are chemically imbalanced but still has to be therapeutically approached and kind of like change the mindset change your, the way you approach things where you look at it with the help of medicine in that case but it's never good yeah. to just simply take medicine and, and say, oh, yeah, I'm good now. No, you're not. Because what happens is medicine will wear off and, and you know, the next day, you'll, what, what happens when you run out of medicine? And that's that's what happens a lot of times you see in society where people do, you know, irrational things we don't understand. A lot of times it's coming off of, of, of basically mental imbalances that are not that are not treated, that are not really dealt with. And part of the reason why I, I focus so much on mental health today and trying to help as many people as possible is we, um, I think that there's a lot of it in, in the society today where it's um, mental health is looked at as still, there's still a bit of stigma where people don't want to admit. And a lot of times my biggest advice to people that feel that they may have certain issues with mental health is to speak up, to really deal with it, to look for help. Even if it's anonymous, whatever it is, but never think that, you know, let me, let me suffer in, in, in silence. Let me just be by myself. Let me process my, my problems on my own and then go on. Some people can, but a lot of people cannot. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is to overcome the stigma. I, I work with this company. I don't know if you saw it. it it's called Compel America, which initially was doing anti-bullying type of work and then spread more into mental health awareness where because we found that basically everything kind of stems from the same issue of, of, of uh, not treating mental health issues, sometimes completely minor, sometimes quite serious, but all, all the same is, is a matter of addressing it. Cause a lot of it, much like many diseases, 
if you kind of treat it early on, if you treat the actual absolute root of the problem, you can eliminate it. You can make it, you can get control of it. You can deal with it where it completely is, is within your grasp, within your control. If you let it go, oh my God, some people can take it to different levels where it's completely incomprehensible to others. We don't even understand why people mm -hmm. do certain things. One of the fighters I mentioned before, Don Fry, was sharing an episode. He said, you know, one of my one of his things when he came came home, he could not adjust back to the environment. He he flew from Japan, he could not fight anymore. He had problems with his marriage, his wife was leaving him, it was just his whole life fell apart. And at one time, I'm not sure what happened exactly, but for some reason either his wife or someone else called the police um, and called on him and kind of like they came in to either talk to him or arrest him. I don't know what happened, but he said he literally walked out and he said, shoot me, shoot me. Or I don't care. I do not care. Shoot me. So that when that happens, if you think about the state of mind of a person, right, who would, who would come out and say that it becomes a level of, of such progression of, of his mental state where being shot is preferable to not being shot. Yeah. It's amazing. But it, it's funny, it doesn't happen overnight. It, there's a progression of step by step by step. If you kind of catch it early on and you deal with it and you explore it and you kind of try to overcome it, it, it could be taken under control. It will never reach those critical levels. And, and obviously those are extremes, but um, it, it's so prevalent in, in, in the society today that I, I really want to focus on. And again, like I mentioned to you, my, my work in the business, but my goal over the next few years is to dedicate myself totally to mental health. Not only do I enjoy it, but I feel like it's so much more rewarding and so much more purposeful in today's world. And it's just, there's nothing more important than, than you know, helping people and, and coming. And I think also, I feel like I am, people have a certain calling in life and I feel like this, this may be mine. I don't know, because I, I feel like I can have I've noticed in my own work that I have, let's say, 10 sessions in a row and it does not, it diminish, like it doesn't make me, it, it makes me want to do more. Yeah. Whereas some people might feel, might feel more emotionally and physically exhausted. I love it. I love every bit of it. When I go to my um, practice, places where I practice and I uh, work with, there's, also, there's a business element to it where they, they tell you it's supposed to be 45 minutes and you have to stop. And, and next session, blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I'm always, there's always a knock on the door and say, you got to stop. And I can't, I, I so enjoy talking to people. I so enjoy helping people that I, I forget. I don't even know what the clock is. Like I go, I go, I go, I go. I, I love because I think like there's nothing more exciting and more interesting than, than exploring um, what people are all about and, and trying to change, help them change, you know, help them change that perspective we spoke about. And in case of, by the way, in case of veterans, in case of former fighters, it's so rewarding to see that when that actually happens, when they become, when they kind of switch and then they tell you things that are completely different in their own mind. I love it. That moment, the, although that switch is priceless and it's, I would do it just actually just for that moment. You know what I mean? It's, it's totally incredible mm -hmm. to see that because you feel like not only you're changing one person's life, but consequentially you're changing all the people lives of people that they uh interact with and will affect later later on it's like a geometrical progression it's totally incredible to me the most rewarding thing in the world yeah the, there's a couple things you touched on um you know one i think it's really important to emphasize right like where i was kind of talking about depression being a mindset as you mentioned right there's obviously 
there, there are different levels because your mindset can reach such a bad place that it's not a problem that you can just dig yourself out of sometimes. So sometimes like everybody, no matter how strong we are, no matter how disciplined we are, no matter what we like, sometimes you just need help. It's just part of being human. Right. And, um, I think that's really important to acknowledge, you know, that if, if you are in one of those places where you just, you can't see the light, you can't see anything. Uh, those are those moments where you have to break down that stigma, as you mentioned, and just reach out to someone, you know, if, if no one's reaching out to you. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't know where sometimes, you know what I mean? It's sure. Shame is because today, if you kind of think about it, where would you go? What, what do you, who do you call? You call a psychologist. It, it, there's a lot of process when it comes to veterans, by the way, the veterans are almost ashamed. And they say, cause they've been trained for many, many years, not to show weakness, not to show. Yeah. yeah. And they feel like there's going to be paperwork. There's going to be something written somewhere, but they're going to be classified as crazy. And they use that word, you know, and a lot of people in society don't want to call anyone. They don't know who to call. They don't, they don't want to be labeled or registered. They don't want to be looked at as, some of the problem, but it's so untrue. It could be so minor that, like I said, if you catch it early on, but there's no reason to label someone um, crazy or difficult or with mental issues because that the very word itself has negative connotation. This guy mm -hmm. is mental. It's so wrong to say that because think about it. So let's help this person and he'll in turn will start helping everybody else. Rather look at the alternative. He'll develop that mental illness to the levels where it becomes actually dangerous and affects everybody else in the world and society. What's better? You know, what I mean, and that's why I, I really feel that the stigma is, and that's why it's so important with a lot of celebrities or fighters, anybody else, actors, speak up on this topic. And that's why you see me a lot of times pulling uh, fighters and, and other celebrities into to, to do like an interview or to just actually speak up on the topic, because when they do, and other people hear that and they see that. It becomes less of a, of a of a shame, less of a stigma yeah. discussed, and they and they suddenly say, "Well, you know, let me look into myself. Let me seek help. Let me. Who do I call?" And that's one of the reasons why we did this uh, study the organization I work with, the, uh, of Compel America, is to say, "Here, just call us. You don't need anything. You don't need to tell us your name. Nothing. Paul, you got a problem. You have. You think you have a mental um, health issue? Call up." Pull up and deal with it. Doesn't there's no money, there's nothing. And that's to me, that's the approach that should really be in the same. I think the government, everybody else should sponsor the type of approach and recognize it and, and let it let it grow because I think we'll have a better we actually would have a better, you know, society that we live in overall. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh yeah, it's just it's just price, it's just a lot of work, believe it or not. But I mean I, I, like I said, it's it's the most re rewarding thing in the world and uh we need it more you, you look at the younger kids also right the kids that are in school and coming out you've never we've never had this this type of level where kids of 15 year old and you know other other child child children that are literally literally you look at the person as a child you're already talking about depression talking about different levels of the things mm -hmm. we've never even thought about before it kind of speaks for the society and, and and it's something we have to deal with it cannot be left uh, on its own because we see the results sometimes, you know? Yeah. For, for you, like if, if you had to give a piece of advice or like, you know, if there's a message like that you could pass on to someone that's currently going through like a mental health issue or is depressed or feels stuck or just 
any anything along those lines? Like, what what do you think? I know it's probably hard to break down to like one most important thing, but you know, if there's a, a couple of things, like what what do you recommend to someone in that situation? Precisely what you said, actually, seek help. Yeah. Do not be afraid to seek help. And sometimes what's interesting, you may not be visible right away what that help is. Look mm-hmm. around, look around some more. My, my work is, has been into making those resources available to anybody that needs them. But that's obviously it's going to take time. But in the meantime, don't think that you can overcome those problems on your own. Exactly. I'm, I'm just actually repeating what you said, but you're absolutely, you're 100% on point. Don't, um, don't seek, don't, don't be afraid to seek help. In other words, help is out there. Don't try to overcome those problems on your own because sometimes they're too much. And when you try to lift too to, to great of a weight on your own, you can, you can just really break yourself even further. It's like it's really no, no different than trying to lift a 300-pound stone. If you have three, four guys doing it, it's, it's not a big deal. If you have one guy trying to do it, it seems impossible. Really similar to that. You know what I mean? It's, and there's a popular saying, a prisoner cannot get out of prison on his own. He needs someone on the outside to help him. Mm-hmm. And that's really no different here because mental health a lot of times is almost like a prison where you're like a prisoner within yourself, within your own mm-hmm. perceptions. And in order to get out, sometimes you need help of another person. So my advice will always be seek help. Call me. Like I always make you know, and that's what I've been working on. I said, listen, I, I don't even want to know your name. I don't want to know nothing. Seek help. Seek help. And there's people out there. Believe. One other thing I want to mention is believe that there's other people out there will, that want to help you. Because most of the people you come across, unfortunately, today are the ones that don't, don't care. Yeah. They don't care. But there are people out there that do care. So look for those people. Look for the don't give up and actually look for people that will help. Because once you come across and you discover that resource, it will change your life. You know what I mean? And that's my advice. Do not, take, do not accept reality as the only possible option. There are other options. There's always other options. And that's, yeah. that's the point. That's great. That's great advice. And you mentioned, um, so like, t- tell me a little bit about, like, I know you said there's kind of a project that you're working on now. Do you want to talk about that a little bit or? Oh, there's, you know, it, 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 it's funny you say project. There's always projects. Yeah. There's something going yeah. on. One of them is, like I said, I, I work with this organization called Compel America, which is trying to make mental health resources available to all and that's one but one, one one other interesting project i'm just we just started recently because again i'm still in technology i'm still in the marketing we came up with a um, an idea to create a technology almost an app probably which will basically enable people to reach out exactly as you just said look for, for mental health or look for advice or look for connection with somebody um through, through the technology, through an app that basically will enable people to anonymously seek help and anonymously kind of like reach out to someone who may be on call at that time. And I've spoken, it's interesting, I've spoken to some of these fighters, some of these celebrities who said they will um, gladly be on the other side. In other words, it's going to be where a guy like George St. Pierre or guys like in that similar position will be online and saying between four and six, they will respond to people that need that type of motivation, that type of help. So I wanted to do that. And, and, um, but besides that, there's always something I'm working on. Like I'm, I'm trying to basically, but the general direction is trying to make, um, the, the, those types of resources available to more and more mm-hmm. people and to eliminate stigma 
like whatever I do, and I'm, I'm trying to bring technology into it because that's a way to reach more people, uh, literally, literally worldwide. So hopefully that project will take off. I'm trying to do that right now. But even on a local basis, on a, on a you know, manual basis, I'm trying to literally, and I can only do so much during the day because of my available time, but I, I'm trying to build it more where other counselors, other mental health professionals will join in and offer to, to work with people on a broader basis and with less, uh, you know, less paperwork, less, less procedural stuff, because that's, that's what it is in psychology and mental health. A lot of it is paperwork. A lot of it is, is, is documents. Uh, and I think a lot of many, many times that precludes people from seeking help because they're like, you know, I don't want to create a paper trail. I don't want to be involved in this whole process. Even tell my insurance, like, I don't want to be in that whole game. Yeah. And my a lot of what I work on today is has to do with eliminating that and just saying, you know what? No, it should not be. It should be an open thing and just whenever, anybody, anytime, anywhere, make that happen. So I'm working on technology to do that, but I'm working. I'm also working hands on in my area in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York, trying to get more counselors, more professionals to join in and offer a more comprehensive type of a network feel where people could just go and, and, and seek help, you know, I think it's so important. Yeah. I, I think that is really, really, really important because as you mentioned earlier, sometimes people just don't know where to go or there seems to be a, a lot of barrier to access and it's, unfortunately it's like the healthcare system in general no one wants to no one wants to deal with the healthcare system in america because it's just so broken and so and yeah. as broken as it is it's like the mental health side is even harder because you're trying to find somebody in network and is there a copay or is it covered and do i you know how do i get a referral to somebody and um it's so crazy you're like oh man yeah. forget about it i don't want to deal with it i'll yeah. do it tomorrow yeah but no it's not it's not that simple and like you said, like even in your own example, sometimes you need help. Sometimes you want to talk to somebody. Sometimes there's family-related issues, whatever else. There's so much; it never ends. And and you know, it's just it's just a matter of of, of facing your own demons, so to speak. The, the, recognizing the you got to recognize sometimes that you need help. That you are in prison, as I mentioned, by by comparison, and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You are who you are. You are where you are today. It doesn't matter. You can't change. Um, circumstances sometimes you can only like react to circumstances a certain way with a positive approach or completely negative and just succumb to circumstances and that's always a choice it's interesting it's always a choice man you can choose to do what you you know the way you can choose to structure today one way or the other and then you know that determines tomorrow but there's always like i was i don't know maybe it's just my positive nature i always feel like this this um that you have the next move, so to speak, like you next move is on you. And that's the advantage. Always you have the next move, like close your eyes, forget about everything that happened before you got the next move. And, and don't, don't think that you don't like when the moment you kind of put yourself in that frame of mind, let's reset. What's my next move. And there's always, it, it could change in the heartbeat. Like everything could be completely different. Mm -hmm. If you approach, sometimes you just don't see it. It, it cannot be, it's like a veil over your eyes. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, we had those three-dimensional pictures. So you have to look at it for an hour before you actually see what's going on, before mm -hmm. you see the actual uh, uh, 3D picture or whatever. There's no difference. Sometimes you, just, sometimes you stare at something, you're like, well, there's nothing there. There's nothing I can do. And then you look at it longer, 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 longer. And then you're like, oh, my God, 
I didn't see that before. It's right there. It's right there. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's all, our minds are the most complex things ever created by God, because I think this yeah. is like totally, incom- it was still learning about it and we still don't know what makes us tick, right? That's why it's so interesting of a field. Yeah, no, the, the whole consciousness thing is just, uh, it's like a whole nother rabbit hole because we, we know it exists, we know it's there, but like no one even has a beginning. Yeah, no one even has an idea of like how to quantify or really explain this experience of consciousness that just kind of comes comes together somehow out of all these like chemical reactions and biological processes and um, still don't know to this day they still can figure out the brain right yeah um, you can today they can take one a heart of one person put it in another person they can attach limbs to one from one person but they still don't understand the brain fully and what makes the sub like you said the subconscious is what that's what psychology focuses on the way that subconscious works and, and affects the way you are and the way what some things you suppress into your subconscious how it affects your behavior because everything, no matter what you know or don't know, your behavior and the way you feel always is an indicator of what's what's in the back of your mind, so to speak. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting what I learned is sometimes you have to, it's like a little, little trash can that you have up here. Sometimes you have to empty it. Sometimes you have to empty the trash can and, and clear your mind and, and refocus and, and kind of like get back to, to working positively. And that's, that's like, that's always the message. I love talking to people that have, you know, overcome um, adversity, overcome different things, because mm-hmm. you learn so much from them, how they did it. You learn about their behavior, their, what makes them tick, what makes them go forward. Um, I, I, love, I love these conversations. I have a lot of, a lot of um, more interviews that I've, I've uh, set up and I want to continue doing, because to me, that's like, um, it's a never ending thing. It's, it's, it's something that can never be fully understood, but could be, you can explore and it's each time you kind of like you show you you discover the new layer and it's 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 so amazing to me you can it never it never stops it's a learning the learning process that never ends yeah i love it every step. i i wanted to ask you to um I, I have a series of questions i kind of like to ask all my guests and uh just, just to kind of profile some of the thinking and some of the things they've been through like for you, for you personally, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people that are going through, you know, difficult times and depression, things like that. Have you ever had like a very dark or transformational kind of moment in your life? And, um, you know, if so, I mean, do you, do you mind talking a little bit about that and just kind of what, what you went through? You know, I'll I'll be honest with you. So that, that kind of speaks about myself. In other words, I have always been, um, a totally incurable optimist. In other words, I, I'm 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 so optimistic that I've had I've had things where things didn't work and things kind of like fell apart and uh, including sometimes difficult day, days in my marriage, all, all kinds of stuff. And professionally, I think that's probably why I went into this mental health field is because I I quickly reset and kind of like I don't allow anything negative to stay too long. Yeah. So to answer your question, no, not really, because I, I, I never allow anything truly, truly negative to develop and take and take shape. So, but for the same, for the same reason, unfortunately, sometimes it takes too long for me to recognize that I have to 
explore something different or to make the change, like or to go into different, like it took me time to go into mental health field more uh, on a full-time basis because I, I, no matter how difficult something seemed, even in the business or professionally otherwise, like, okay, I, I can deal with it. I can overcome it. I can beat it and always kind of like recover, which is good and bad at the same time. But no, to answer your question, not really something explode, you know, explosive that transfer, transformed my entire life. No, I call those things life quakes. In other words, an earthquake that changes your life. These mm-hmm. life quakes, not, I, I, I see people, I deal with people that have them and easy to recognize. Me, myself, I don't believe I did. I, I faced a problem in my marriage a few years ago and I, I said, you know, well, that's it's almost like a project that I got to work on and, and I successfully kind of worked through it. Um, it it's, it's, it's something that I guess is like part of me where I, I don't, um, how do I say, like I, I never had this pessimism or I never have this, this feeling that I cannot do something. I just, I just say, you know, let me reset. I, one thing I did not mention, I play chess quite a bit and I, I used to be almost a professional level back in the day. So I always look at something and just, I realize that sometimes it takes more time, takes me longer to analyze something. And then when I initially don't see a solution and then when I spend more time, I look at the same situation, I, I do see a solution. So I, I kind of approached everything in my experience the same way, you know, you just kind of like overcome mm-hmm. things and never allow the negative stuff to develop too far. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes sense to me. I think that, uh, that that's the way to be right. Is to try to just kind of embrace yeah. the things that happen and treat them as, you know, problems on a, on a chessboard that, you know, we need to sit down and kind of analyze and think through versus like some kind of existential threat to, who we are, our existence. Um, and that's what it is. Like, it's, it's just a matter of spending the time. Unfortunately, we don't always have time like that. Sometimes things are happening much quicker. But yeah, I, 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 in my experience, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm, I think I'm lucky in the fact that I um, have this type of attitude. And I'm, that's why maybe that's why I want to share it with other people and yeah. I have to share the fire of positivity. Sometimes too positive, maybe. <laughs> There's such a thing. What about, um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about like discipline and things too. Do you, do you have any like personal habits that, you know, you, that you go through every day or like what, what kind of structures do you have in your life? I'll tell you uh, number one in the world, I've had this for a long time now, um, early wake ups. I feel like that's the number one requirement and that's, um, one of my biggest, um, points that I tell everybody else and I tell myself. You got to wake up early and you got to do the most important things early in, in the day. And like, you got to, whatever it is, you have to be the morning, even if you're not a morning person to become a morning person. Why? I don't know, but it's, it feels like it's, it's like a different biological cycle that we have in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And I think we can, um, set our whole day differently. If we kind of approach things, you know, wake up early and set yourself more into work mode early on in the day. I think that's, that's really the number one thing in terms of discipline. Um, sometimes physically it's, it's not an easy thing to do, especially as you get older, you know what I mean? But I think it's just, it's just, um, it's just something that to me is a no brainer. Like you gotta do that. You gotta wake up early and spend time in the beginning part of the day, focusing yourself on what, what's going to happen today. One yeah. other thing I learned also another thing that I, I practice <clears throat> discipline wise is 
before you go to sleep, like before you end the day, to write down anything that's truly, truly bothering you. Like what's truly bothersome thing to you? Do you foresee becoming a major problem tomorrow or the next few days? Write it down on a piece of paper. And that's that's one of the techniques actually in the, in the mental health field is that a lot of things that are on our minds, the moment you put them down on the paper, the moment you take them away from your mental from your mind into making it more tangible when you write it down or you at least email it to yourself but I've, i found that it's it's so makes you so much more productive and it takes away a lot of the anxiety that you may otherwise have and mm. start with because a lot of times we overthink uh things that are not necessarily that complicated and that's what happens so i learned that that's my second trick is i, I kind of like i try to write down it, or at least email email to myself some of the things that I foresee being difficult. Uh, but those are my two two main kind of like discipline and two main routine uh, things. And again, listen, uh, easier said than done, right? Sometimes life gets in the way, mm-hmm. and you, you, know, you can't do that. You can't do this. You get to that. You forget to do whatever. But don't, there are exceptions to the rule. But I think that I believe in rules. Like I believe in creating certain rules. Sometimes you get away from it, something happens, whatever. Well, guess what? You know what to come back to the next day. Like, you know what the routine should be. I believe in, it's funny, and I, I created actually a while back, I created a 5 a.m. runner type of a, a website and a blog because I used to get up at 5 and run. And and that's how I lost a lot of weight back in the day. Then And I, I really don't run anymore as much, but I still wake up at 5 and occasionally I run. But most of the time I spend, spend uh, time trying to see what I got to do in the, in the day, which things I have to do by uh, the earliest hours as possible. Like what, what I'm going to accomplish because I found that like after a certain time, you lose productivity and other people will get in the way, other things will get in the way and you will mm-hmm. not accomplish it. And and nothing makes you more anxious and more um, negative or possibly pessimistic than, than knowing you could have done something, you didn't get to it, it still weighs on your mind. So it's just, it's all about planning, you know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. found those those things to be important. Yeah, I really like that idea of just uh, writing down, you know, something that you're kind of afraid of or perceived to be a major issue. That's that's a new one, but I, it makes a lot of sense that you just, you, you kind of, it's one of the most important things. symbologically, like, take it, I don't even think that's a word, symbologically, but you uh, <laughs> symbolically well, take, you take, yeah, mind, yeah, put it on paper. It becomes yeah. tangible in this world versus your subconscious versus that's what I mean by emptying your trash can up here. Let, yeah. let somebody else worry about it. You, you know, but I don't know if you know about this joke where a guy, um, guy sleep, you know, goes to sleep and his wife is like, why are you tossing and turning? What's wrong with you? He's like, tells his wife, Oh my God, I owe, I owe this guy, our neighbor, I owe him $10,000. I, I have no idea what to do. I don't know how to live. I, I, how do I go about tomorrow? She's like, I can solve your problem in two seconds. She goes to the window, opens the window. Hey, John, my husband is not going to pay you $10,000. Bye-bye. He said, okay, now it's his problem. You know what I mean? It's like you <laughs> empty your mind. You put him, you gave it. So the problem now is on that guy. Now the guy thinks, how am I going to get my $10,000? It's like, I'm not going to pay you. That's it. So you kind of like emptied your mind and you put it into real world. So you're yeah. no longer worried about it. It became real. So I think on a simple level, you can write it down or just even like make a note on your iPhone or email it to yourself and then delete it. But the moment you did it, it's magical. It's magical. 
What about um what about like book recommendations? If you if you had to pick out, you know, like two books uh you know to recommend to somebody, what what would they be? It's funny that you mentioned one of them is Viktor Frankl, mm-hmm. Man's Search for Meaning. One of my always biggest recommendations to everybody. Yeah. It's amazing that you brought it up. <clears throat> really important to read to read. I agree. Um yeah. there's another book, I cannot remember who the author is. There's a book called Red Ocean, Blue Ocean. It's more about business, however, but it's actually very good psychologically because it talks about sometimes when we have um, how to overcome difficult uh, moments in, in, in the processes in our own minds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like when you, you see something is impossible, but you keep beating yourself against that wall. And the question becomes, how do I overcome that? So sometimes it talks about the fact that you can look for alternative solutions can arrive to the same point, but you can go around the wall instead of beating your, your brain against the wall. But it's amazing that I try to, when it, when it comes to reading, I actually don't, I, I focus on a lot of times reading fiction because I try to get my mind to, to, to run around and explore things that are, that seem impossible, but I'm kind of like want to expand my, go outside the box. I love reading actually Dan Brown. I don't know if you know that author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I find him to be the most, one of the most talented people of all times. It's, it's truly incredible the way he writes. So I like, I like his writing style and I, I enjoy reading all of his books. If you want to look at some of the uh, early books called Angels and Demons, there was another one, the uh, Da Vinci Code, but there was a lot of later works that he, he has done. I find it totally fascinating. But I, you know, it's funny enough, you talk about reading. I wish I had more time to read. One of my favorite activities is not yeah. time. There's no time. This is all from the past. And so, you know, something I would love to do, something I'd like to wake up and, and have a perfect day. That would be one of the things I would do. Read more. Yeah. I don't get a chance to do that. Yeah. Well, you, you still have time, right? Like someone told you, don't, don't let 10 years go by and look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have read more. So. Absolutely. But I focus so much on this, on this work and, and especially with mental health. Like I, I basically. Yeah. You make decisions on where you want to spend your time or where, where you want to best use your time. Makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm telling you my perfect day would be actually focusing on, on talking to people and dealing with people and just working all day yeah. with that. And then reading, writing as, as, as an additional uh, benefit of that. But yeah, unfortunately now I have to mix business work and, and, you know, my mental health work. Sure. It's a difficult combination. It's funny. A lot of times people don't understand how difficult it is to switch from being in business and being in the mental health counseling, because those are two opposite uh, mindsets in business. You have to be more aggressive. You have to be more taken over. You have to be more driving. You have to be more of a, a, a push forward type of guy. And I think in counseling, it's important to understand is that you have to be more of a listener. You have to be more of an open book. You have to really take mm-hmm. in what people are. And that's what I enjoy doing more. That's why business, I'm, I'm usually good with it, but I, I, I do not enjoy a single moment of, of business work, of, of my work that I do to make money. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to use the word hate, but I despise every single moment of that time. And I look forward to the time where I can, for free, I can work with mental health. Uh, I understand. Uh, clients and, and do stuff with that. What a life, right? Never, yeah. never you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. But again, I'm hopeful that if I keep pushing forward, I can accomplish what I actually want. <clears throat>
Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like you're you're heading in that direction. So sound sounds like you're you're going to get there. And then, so the the last question I had for you today, um, I always like to ask this to my guests. This is kind of the the tough one. Sometimes it stumps people a little bit. I feel like you'll have a good answer, you know, ready for us. But uh, if you could go back in time, talk to a uh, you know teenage version of yourself, kind of knowing the things that you know now, whatever. Um, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, isn't it like the most quintessential uh, question that everyone wishes to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Go back 20, 30 years. Yeah. Talk to the, young, the younger version of myself. The problem is the younger version of myself would not listen to this guy. Yeah. They say, get the hell away from me. That's, uh, that's what I'm everybody says. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I yeah. know better. No, but um, if I could, I would go back to that guy. Uh, 25 years ago, whatever, rolling on the floor with Coyce Gracie, like I said, and, you know, doing stuff and tell him to be more open-minded and pre actually pursue what you want to do. In other words, my younger years, I was more, I was less, excuse me, I was less decisive and more stuck on this, whatever I think is the only options are. Mm -hmm. Not really going for what I enjoy doing, but doing what's more, more like expected and, and pursuing what I thought is, is the right thing to do. Whereas... I kind of felt for a long time that my calling is somewhere else and what I should be doing something else, but I was too afraid to pursue it. So I would tell that younger version to not be afraid to step away from the, you know, beaten path and, and pursue what you actually want to sit down and analyze mm -hmm. in your own mind. What do you want to, what is it that you want to do? What do you see yourself as with the famous question in the job interviews, where do you see yourself in five years? Because I kind of knew that even back then, but I was like, eh, it's, it's really impossible. So let me just stick to what I'm doing. No, I would tell him to explore what he truly wants to do and pursue it. And don't wait. Do not wait 20 years. You know, you, you have, you're still young. You know what I mean? So, so don't look at anything else. Sit down and pursue exactly what you want to do. Which I'm telling myself right now. Forget about yeah. 20 years ago. But if I could go back, I would, I would gain another 20 years and, and, and do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it would be, it would be a dream, but I cannot go back in time yet until they develop time machine. I, I gotta, you know, I gotta work here. So, but that's the same message. It's the same message. I think that's important. Yeah. Be beautiful message. It's uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've had a, you know, I've had a lot of like, pretty much all the answers I've gotten so far have, have stuck along the same lines which are either you know keep going just keep doing what you're doing you're going to get there uh everything will be okay kind of answer or you know the other answer is like hey make a little bit better use of your time you know or the other answer that i've gotten also is like kind of like you said you know follow your heart follow you know do the things that are meaningful to you don't listen to what other people say so much i think th those are like the big three answers i've seen so i think um, so believe in yourself yeah. And another person that you, you, you know, we, we spoke about before about heroes, so to speak, and guys like GSP, another person that GSP actually considers, considers his own hero is Hoyce Gracie that I mentioned. It's, I think they're making a movie about Hoyce Gracie right now because of 30 years of the UFC. Awesome. That's one person you will look, look into. Yeah. One person I found the most inspiring also besides GSP is that guy. Look into him more. He's so impressive. Yeah, it's so much belief because he's not a fighter. It's interesting. People don't know about Hoyce Gracie. He was never meant to be a fighter. 
Yeah, they they chose him out of the family because he was like the smallest, like weakest. He's not a fighter, yeah. right? Yeah. He does not want to fight. He is like he hates fighting. And he's he loves jujitsu, but he hates fighting. So he was never supposed to be he, but he overcame himself. He was talking about his own struggles mentally to believe in himself. Because he's very confident when you're out, when he's outspoken, but deep inside and I had conversation, he's most um he doubted himself a lot, and it's interesting yeah. character to, to, to think, how, think how he overcame himself, became what he really is not meant to be, and became that anyway. So yeah. that's that's really inspiring, something to look into. For sure. Yeah. Well, Mike, I think uh, you know, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I, I really enjoyed sure. you know speaking with you today. Um, are there are there any uh, you know any like links or profiles or anything you want to mention for somebody if like someone wants to get in touch with you or find out more about your work yeah and, and as i mentioned before i think compel america is is really the most important thing on my agenda today right now okay. and uh, it's compelamerica.org um and uh which you can include in your if you if you post this thing but i i think it's really important for people to have access to and uh, I continue every day to make that more and more accessible to people and increase the outreach and increase the resources that are de dedicated to it. So I think you want to encourage people to keep that in mind and have available at their fingertips when, when they kind of think about it. Because uh, hopefully, even if we change a life, the life of one or two people, it's already worth it. But I think it's going to change many, many more lives. But that's the one, compelamerica.org. Uh, and on, on social media, it's Compel America all over the place on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. And for people to look into it and keep keep in mind and have available at all times. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you again so much for coming on and speaking with me today. And uh, hope hope you have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. I truly appreciate the opportunity. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. Thank Likewise. You so much, Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.